Dane Brugler back at it. Dane, we had a week off. That's all right because you needed to get healthy because this is what happens, I feel like, every year. You run yourself into a wall making the beast, and then you're like, you know what? We're done here. Then I'll just, I'm going to take a quick little hiatus, and then we'll be back for the draft. Yeah, I, my defenses were down. <laughs> my body was upset with me and said, you know what? Get sick. We don't care. Uh, so, but, you know, it was it was good just to get the, the draft guide out. I was happy it happened when it did compared to a week earlier when, you know, that final stretch uh, to get the draft guide out. But, no, it's out there. It's out into the wild. People are uh, enjoying it, hopefully. Um, and, yeah, the feedback so far has been tremendous. Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people who have been enjoying it. And I, I feel like it's not a coincidence, though, that you said it's like the – I feel like the run-up before the beast is what led you to being sick, isn't it? I mean, it feels like it, it oh, kind of goes hand-in-hand. Hand. It does. I mean, I because it's a lot of long nights. It's a lot of, uh, you know, if I can get two hours of sleep in, great. You know, and, and that's on top of, you know, obviously the – four kids and everything else going around uh, here at home. And so, you know, it's uh, it, 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 we have a deadline and you try to meet that deadline and there's a lot of things that go into it. The editing process is, I mean, as you can imagine, there's 350,000 yeah. words. So the editing process takes time. Uh, but you know what? We got it done. And uh, if you find a typo, I don't want to know about it. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you that off air. Like <laughs> if somebody finds a typo or, or, right. or a word that's not meant to be there, like we're just we're it's it's it out into the wild and it's just gonna stay there right because it's a well, great product regardless. Sometimes it happens, you know. If I put like a, a you know a hand size where the arm length should be or like that's happened mm. uh, before, it's easy to do and it's easy to overlook because you're just looking for numbers that don't look right and they look right. They're just right. a different column, so it happens. I'm human. I think people get that, but uh, still, yeah. When you work on something for you know year round, yeah, you hate to see it. It's a, it's a gut punch, but at the same time, I, I've done this for enough years that I know it's uh, it's bound to happen. Okay, so what Dane is saying is blame the editors. I got you. We're reading between mm -hmm. the lines here. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so we're gonna talk about the tight ends in this episode because one, we haven't really done it yet. Two, it feels like all the draft experts, including yourself, really feel like this is a very good tight end class. And I think really from a Jets perspective, you look at the Jets room and you're like, this is a deep room. And we've talked about that before. But with the draft, you're really betting on the future. And two of the Jets tight ends in their room right now are free agents they acquired last year, Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzama. And they also have Jeremy Ruckert and Kenny Yaboa. Now, when we talked about the tight ends, we talked about, is there anyone really worth the 13th overall pick? And I, I, I want to table that for now because I think when I looked at Mel Kuyper's mock draft it was very interesting Luke Musgrave in the second round to the Jets that's what he had mm. what do you think about that marriage not necessarily Musgrave to the Jets in the second round but the Jets going tight end in round two generally speaking knowing that they also have a deep room on the team as it stands yeah it'd be pretty surprising right I mean I, I think we still have pretty decent hopes for uh, uh, Jeremy Ruckert, who we talked about at length last year about, you know, what he uh, could bring to this team. And it turns out that's what happened. And I, I we have yet to see all the positive things that he can offer this team. So, um, you know, I, I would be surprised if they used, and this is a team that obviously, you know, right now has two second round picks, but uh, we think maybe that could change. And if it does, you only have so many picks to use in that the first two days of the draft. I think you're looking more towards uh, adding 
guys that are going to help you uh, have, or have more of an impact on your roster uh, with a team that's ready to win right now. So I, at this, it, you want to kind of cross both lines, right? Where you're uh, drafting for the future, you're you're thinking about your roster in 2024, 2025, and, and you're forecasting out what it should be. But at the same time, um, I think it'd still be a, a pretty big surprise if they went tight end that early, unless they just had say they have a first round grade on Luke Musgrave. You know that, and that becomes a philosophical question. And if we have that high of a grade on a player, even though he's maybe isn't an immediate need, do we pull the trigger at that point and take him in the second round? Uh, that's where it might get a little dicey. Luke Musgrave, very interesting player. You mentioned Jeremy Ruckert in the Jets last year. I'm yeah. not comparing them as players. But it feels like they had similar college stigmas where it's like they don't really get the ball a whole lot as receivers, but they both have some receiving ability. Maybe Musgrave more than Ruckert based on your write-up in the Beast. So diving into him as a player, meaning Musgrave, what what are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? You have a first, second-round grade on him. Why is he worthy of that kind of grade, even though over four seasons he only has 633 receiving yards total? Yeah, I mean, his his career receiving totals looks like uh, an average season for one year for a lot of tight ends. And obviously, that's not ideal. You, you would love for a player to be more productive, but he played in two games this year uh, with a knee injury. And that that if not for that, we would have seen him become, in my opinion, a, a real riser throughout this season because of all the talent that he has. And he was he was ready to break out this year and emerge as one of the best tight ends. Uh, in, in the uh, in college football, and unfortunately, because that knee injury, we didn't get a chance to see that. But we're talking about a guy that's six six, two hundred fifty five pounds, ran in the low four sixes, uh, a big time athlete. He's got a, a really diverse athletic background as a skier growing up. Comes from a big ski family. Um, but not only that, he was a uh, big time track athlete in high school. Sprints, relays, throws, did all of that. Uh, did lacrosse in high school, uh, speaking about you know, Jeremy Rucker and the connection there, lacrosse guys. Uh, Luke Musgrave has a lot of athletic ability, plus he gives you something as a blocker. So I, I think it's if you look at the production, you're not going to get excited. When you look at the traits and just as testing and what he could be, I think that's where you start to buy in and say, okay, Luke Musgrave, this is why teams are considering him in the back half of round one. The skiing background, is that a first for you? like in terms of research on a player? Not a first, but you don't see it very often, right? I mean, and that's uh, usually if I told you a guy lettered in four sports in high school uh, and I asked you to guess the four sports, you know, you're saying football, obviously. And then uh, most would say basketball, maybe throw in a wrestling, throw in a, a baseball, maybe, uh, you know, you try to get creative. No one's guessing football, track, lacrosse, and skiing as four. Uh, those are the four sports that Luke Musgrave starred in in high school. But uh, you know, it's it's uh, each one of these, and that's what the fascinating part of you know diving into these backgrounds, understanding. Okay, this guy was a uh, a champion skier uh, at 14 years old. Won uh, a, a couple major races uh, at that age group. Like you, you find out his mother. Uh, was on the U.S. development ski team in the 80s. And it's like, okay, like this is a guy that was kind of groomed for this at, a, at an early age. Um, and, and so you – and I, 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 it sounds kind of weird, but I think you can see it in some of his routes, you know, with the, the hip action and the way his knees are moving and the way he's uh, maneuvering in and out of his brakes. I think you can see some of that ski background in there. That is crazy. 
But that's also so cool. I think, I think as a draft fan, I think that's also what's so interesting about the beast is because you can, one, easily see stats, measurables, height, weight, hand size, all that stuff. But to get into a player's background is – I think that's the coolest part as well. And yep. so Luke Musgrave, that for the Jets, again, is Mel Kuyper's projection right now in the second round. When you Now I wanted to talk about some of the, the first-round guys. The two guys that come to mind, Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid. We talked about Kincaid briefly, but with Michael Mayer, why is he your tight end one, and is this – like a seamless looking transition because I feel like when talking about Michael Mayer, a lot of people will just say, this is a a rock solid pick. He does a little bit of everything well, or a lot of everything well. And the transition from Notre Dame tight end to future NFL player might be easy for Michael Mayer. I wouldn't say easy, but you can see a path where he's going to make an impact pretty quickly uh, in the NFL. Um, And you think about Notre Dame and how many tight ends they've produced the last 20 years. None of them had had better production profile than Michael Mayer. Uh, He set all the tight end records there at Notre Dame in only three years. So the moment he showed up in South Bend, he was the guy and played at a high level. He's been doing it the last three years. Um, Is he an elite athlete? No. Is he an elite blocker? No. But he's above average in both those areas. Um, And what I love about him is – you can see the basketball background with the way he plays. He grew up wanting to play for Kentucky basketball. That's what he thought he was going to do. Some point during high school, it kind of became clear. All right, I'm not. I don't have the size of a post player. Uh, it's going to go play for uh, uh, the Wildcats there and, and, and at the top uh, high level college basketball. But you know what? My skill set will look pretty good in the football field. And he is one of the better contested catch tight ends I've evaluated the last five seven years. Uh, it doesn't matter where the defender is, the traffic, uh, the defender's hanging on his back like a backpack. It doesn't matter. He's going to make the catch. He's going to make the play. uh, And he can run the seam. He can work the middle of the field. He's fearless. He can make uh, guys miss because he has that power, has uh, a a very uh, athletic, uh, uh, that body control. He understands those athletic instincts to to make the first guy miss, sidestep him. So uh, there's a lot to to work with with Michael Mayer as a plug-and-play combination tight end. You want him to play the Y with his hand on the ground? He can do that. You want to play him as more of a joker, stand up, put him in the slot? He can do that as well. So I don't think this is a player that has a a super high ceiling where we're ever talking about Michael Mayer as a Travis Kelsey type. I don't think that's that's not what his future holds. But he's going to be a starter in this league for a long time and help the offense move the sticks. You know, we've talked about this before. The you said you mentioned Travis Kelsey, and I, I just realized that like. You're not a huge pro comp guy because it throws people's minds off. So, wouldn't you say? Like, just yeah. because it, it, you start to think of Michael Mayer wears 87, he's a big dude, he does, you know, a little bit of everything well. And you're like, oh, hey, Travis Kelsey. I think a lot, I think there are people who think that. So, right. taking a step back from tight ends, is there any pro comp or player comp that you think works in this year's draft across the board? For any position. Any position. And I remember listening to your podcast on The Athletic, I think it was a couple of years ago. I don't remember who it was about, but it was either you or Lance Zerline of NFL Network and NFL.com compared a prospect to Steph Curry. 
and I don't remember what the comp was, who the prospect mm-hmm. was, but I remember that as a comparison. And so that got my mind thinking now, is there any comparison that you like? Because Lance, if I remember correctly, I don't know if it's Lance himself, but the NFL draft.com profiles, most right. of them have a pro comp. Right. And, and I think that unless it's, uh, it comes naturally, like if it comes naturally, I'll include it in the report. But if not, then it feels kind of forced and it and requires so much context because rarely are comps apples to apples. You have to you know, really talk about it and provide context. And I mean, actually, I threw this out on Twitter a couple months ago and people did not like it. Uh, but I comped Bryce Young to Steph Curry. And uh, it was because you, you see the way it, Bryce Young plays like a point guard. That's how he plays the position. He creates space for himself. His vision is tremendous see everything going on around him anticipate uh where those open uh passing windows are going to be where if he uh, he computes in his mind okay if i make this slight step to my right i'm going to create an extra half second for myself that route's going to come open like he for his ability his ability to process all of that in real time it's like a point guard and you see that with steph curry with uh, steph curry is not you know a five uh five ten and you know but he is undersized by nfl standards he's not the prototypical point guard uh at least when he was drafted um and so i think that there, there are some comparisons there it's we've never seen a quarterback quite like bryce young so it's not there's not a natural i mean you want to compare him to doug flutie fine go for it you know but like uh, it, there's not, we don't have a, a ton of natural comps for a guy like Bryce Young. So I think you have to think outside the box a little bit. And so, you know, I, I'm, 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 I put that out on Twitter and, you know, the responses were mixed. Some people loved it. Some people just despised it. And I, I, and meanwhile, I'm thinking to myself, gosh, just, just wait till they find out my comp for Lucas Van Ness is cocaine bear and they're going to lose their minds. Uh, but I mean, look, sometimes you got to have fun with these comps because it, like I said, it's rarely apples to apples. Yeah. And, you know, you have to have fun with it a little bit to because the, the whole point of a comp is to create in your mind an idea of who the player is and what he's going to be. So, you know, it's I it makes sense to get creative with these comparisons. No doubt. And for the record, the comparison that I was thinking of with the Steph Curry one wasn't your tweet about Bryce Young. It was, was somebody it Trevor else. Lawrence? It might have been Trevor no, Lawrence. I, I don't. I, I thought it was like a skinnier player. Um, and it was a receiver potentially, but I don't. Oh, oh, Devonte Smith, probably. Maybe, maybe it might have been Devonte. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, I remember going for a walk, listening to the podcast. I remember exactly where I was when I heard it. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting comp. Um, but I, I didn't remember that you said that about Bryce Young. But I, I do think that I like that comparison. For what it's worth, if you're listening and you're wondering what the NFL comparison is for Michael Mayer on the NFLDraft.com profile, Dane, you want to guess? It is not Travis Kelsey. No, I'm not. Who does he have? He has Jason Witten. Yeah, okay. See, that makes sense. I can, I could see that. And I mean, Jason Witten was a third round pick for a reason. You know, it was not a guy that's elite in any one area. You don't really get excited about Witten per se, but he's just a rock solid player. And, you know, you blink and the guy's, uh, uh, you know, one of the best tight ends in in the league. So uh, for a lot of years and, you know, probably a future hall of famer. And so I I can understand why he'd make that call. Okay. There you go. That before we move on here, the tight ends group is very deep as we've heard Darnell Washington, another first, second round guy, 
a huge mammoth guy. Is there anybody that makes sense in your eyes for the Jets on day three if they decided to, let's say, go in a direction where it's like, we want to add a tight end because this is a great class, but we don't necessarily want to do it with the capital of day one or day two? Absolutely. I mean, this is, like you said, it's a deep tight end group. We'll, we'll see how many end up going on uh, the first two days. Um, you know, I, I, people get into uh, too many debates about how these tight ends should be ranked. I, I think they all offer something different. You know, it depends on what you want out of your tight end. You know, Michael Mayer, what he offers compared to Dalton Kincaid, very different. Compared to Darnell Washington, very different. So it's it all depends on what your offense is the type of tight end you're looking for. Um, and, and I mean, that, that's, uh, that, that should be more of the conversation than strictly one, two, three, four, how should they be ranked? But, you know, Tucker Craft from South Dakota state, one of my favorite uh, non first round picks this year, big Tucker Craft fan. I, I think he's going to be a good value on day two, Sam Laporta, same thing. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan is going to go in that day two range. Brenton Strange from Penn State as well. And so we'll see how many end up going um, on day two. But then on day three, there's going to be plenty of good talents left, whether it's a, a Davis Allen from Clemson, uh, Josh Wiley, Cincinnati, uh, Cameron Latu from Alabama, um, Payne Durham, Purdue. So if the Jets want to go in that direction, add a, uh, a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick at the position, a guy that can play special teams, uh, can give you depth at the position. Uh, there, a lot of these guys that make sense. Braden Willis from Oklahoma, Blake Whitehart, Wake Forest. So a lot of names to keep on the radar. All right. So I'm looking at the list of your tight ends and the last three out of the last four of the 28 you have just fantastic names. Jaleel Billingsley, great mm -hmm. name. Yeah. Johnny Lumpkin is, it just sounds like a cartoon character. And then we're wrapping it up with a Tennessee volunteer, Princeton Fant. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, that's uh, you could see why they made my list, right? Uh, it's like <laughs> gotta get these guys in there because I mean, with names like that, I personally I really like Noah Gindorf. Uh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like a Lord of the Rings character or something. Um, yeah, he, and of course he's <laughs> North Dakota State, right? You know, he's just a big blocking tight end who. Uh, would be going a lot higher if not for his ankle injury. Uh, he, he's a draftable NFL player. Um, so, yeah, Noah Gindorf, don't forget about him. No, and a couple after that is Griffin, is it Hebert or Hebert? Uh, Haybear, I think, hey is Bear? the way to Oh, wow. It, it, it's the Louisiana. Hey right, well, it's the Louisiana, you know, Cajun uh, way to say Haybear, right? Uh, it's not not exactly Hebert, it's Haybear. Hey bear. Okay. So there are a lot of good tight ends on the field. There are a lot of good tight ends in terms of their names. And again, the jets in a good spot at the tight end room right now, if they were to line up tomorrow, they'd probably be in a very good spot, I would say. And you never know what the draft though. Right. Cause like that, it, you just never know. So something to keep in mind again, Dane has Michael Mayer as his top overall tight end prospect. The 28th Princeton fan. Those are the bookends right there in the Beast Witch. If you have not checked out, you should check out ASAP. All right, that's how we're going to close Episode 7 of NFL Draft Preview. Dane, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Ethan.